Breaking Ground. I'm your host, Devin Kolka. On this show, we bring in leaders in the business, real estate, and construction industries. Today's guest is Ernie Fazio. Ernie is the president of the Long Island Metro Business Action. We're really excited to have Ernie on today. So we're here with uh, Ernie Fazio today. Ernie, you are president and I think, is it founder of Limba? No, no, no. no. I'm not the founder, actually. Um, it has an interesting uh, history. What happened was a bunch of ad hoc, uh, very powerful people on Long Island were pissed off about the, the uh, building of a road down Fire Island. Okay. And they did something about it. One of them was Irving Like. Did you, did you remember him? He no, was, no. The Murray Barbash, Paul Townsend. Okay. And a number of really powerful guys. And they went to, down to Washington and, and they couldn't stop Moses because nobody could stop Moses in New York. So the Congress made Fire Island a national seashore. Okay. So he had no jurisdiction anymore. Wow. Wow. But, and, now, but, and then they just said, but what are we going to do? Now we got a bunch of guys together. Why don't we we're going to make a group out of it. We'll put a name on it. And I, I think that's kind of a similar story with, uh, with my father when he started the HIA. He, he made a group to make some noise to make sure that the power got turned on in the industrial park faster. And uh, they created the civic group and it became the HIA, which is one of the largest business, business Powerful groups along, organization. Long Island. So it, it's funny how things start like that. Yeah. Uh, but but for the uh, the watchers that that don't know Limba, Long Island Metro Business Action. It used to be Long Island Mid Suffolk Business Action, but because when I took over, I said Mid Suffolk doesn't really fit because we do we were involved with the RPA in New York City, and we were coordinating things. And I said it's better name would be, and we don't have to change the name of the letters. It's still Limba, Long Island Metro Business Action, instead of Mid Suffolk business action. And what's the organization's mission? The mission is to bring to attention to certain needs of the region. In other words, we might talk about, uh, uh, we might have, let's say, Mark Herbst in to talk about infrastructure, or we might have the president of uh, PSE&G to talk about how they're fleshing out the uh, uh, system so that it's more robust. Not as robust as it should be, but it's but we'll do things like that. I, I love that you actually bring up PSEG because we just got over a big storm and you know a lot of people are out of power. I I had mine turn on last Sunday. It just went out again last night. Um, I see other states and other regions that have power lines under the ground, and we continue to keep them above ground. You think I think that's something we'll ever. I've we'll been ever an advocate to? of that for since uh, forever because it's it makes more sense. It's cheaper to put in a pole and run an aerial line than it is to do an underground. Up front, it might be cheaper, but on the back end, it can't be. At least I think maintenance-wise, it has to be cheaper to go underground. Over time, you're right. Okay. All right. First of all, you have to understand how you put uh, uh, cables underground. You don't dig a trench and drop a cable. You dig a big trench, you put a nine or twelve, um, uh, you know, unit, uh, conduit in there with all these slots. It looks like, uh, you know, uh, it looks like a board game, you know, the, the cross section. And they're, they're uh, clay tiles and they have to be aligned properly. And they 
they're costly to put in because of their big, their size. But once you put them in, you can pull in cables, you know, with uh, uh, wires mm -hmm. and and uh, flush it out. They, in New York City, they do that all the time. I, I'm I'm a real believer that as we have things like what just recently happened with the storm, and we go, we have to fix those lines. That's the perfect opportunity to do it little by little. How to engineer that, how to get people on board, how to fund it. That's why we leave people like you to figure that out and, 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 uh, create the noise so it happens. But, uh, I, I am. A well, actually, I'm, I'm actually, uh, knowledgeable enough how to do it. You know, not actually get the political muscle to do it. But I mean, if you gave me a, a crew of men, I could make it happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, because uh, that was my experience. You know, being a builder, I know that where there are sewers will come revitalization and will, will come development. And we continue to uh, push to, to put more sewer treatment plants in, to put more sewers in the ground. Well, you know, Patrick had very enlightened mayors. And what they did was years ago, they put in a sewer system that was more uh, robust than they needed for the population and the industry they had. So when guys like uh, Pontieri came in, Pontieri said, well, we have the structure. There's not much we have to do to make it work. And they did. And so, you know, when you have people looking into the future and planning for the future, you have good results. And Paul is, uh, Paul Pontieri is the first one to admit that he was given a gift and he was able to build out Patro the way he did. He would never have been able to do it without that. Absolutely. And, and, and Mayor Pontieri is his. He's a very forward guy. Very forward guy. And he is the case study. And now you, you look at what Patchogue has become today because of the sewers, because of Mayor Pontieri, because of developers such as TriTech who, who believed in, in, uh, the area. You know, we're using that as a case study for other places on Long Island, such as, you know, Lindenhurst or Wine Danch and, we need more sewers. The, the more, um, the easily, the easier it is for developers to build, the more people can build and we can revitalize areas. Well, the sewers, uh, well, we both agree they're essential, but they're essential for, uh, reasons of good ecology. Uh, the, the reason why we have, uh, these, uh, blooms, these, uh, algae blooms is because this, Effluent is getting into the water, and um, if, if you don't contain that and uh, and uh, treat it, uh, you're going to just have you just have that limitation. So I'm a um, Smithtown kid, born and raised Smithtown. We've been talking about getting sewers down in Smithtown and St. James for many many years now. You think it's going to happen? Well, I th I think it is going to happen actually. Pat Vecchio, who was a friend of mine, I loved the man. He was a good person. He didn't want to spend money. And it was short-sighted. And one of the things you learn about uh, making things better, you do spend money. And you have to spend money. You know, uh, spending money is a double-edged sword. You, you, you see the money going out, but you also see uh, craftsmen coming in, building their own homes and, and livelihoods, and, you know, creating a better economy. So... Uh, he he didn't have that uh, 
that scope. But yeah. just just like any business, politics is the same way. If you're spending money, you need a return on your investment. And you need to be able to explain it. And you need you need to listen to the people at town hall that come to the meetings and give you what for. And you have to, you know, be patient, tell them, and spend a lot of time making your case. And the explanation is probably the most important part because you can understand it and you can know that. But at the end of the day, you're you have voters. You need you need them to vote you back in. Right. See this thing through. And if they don't understand where you're at and why you're making the decisions you're doing or why you're spending the money, you know, it, it can be a disaster. But how do you how do you explain that to, um, you know, your community when they don't really always know all the facts and a lot of what they have is kind of driven through rumors or social media or just not facts? you got to bring it home. In other words, um, if I'm a businessman on Main Street and I can't maybe build a bigger restaurant because I don't have a sewer, I'm limited to what I can do with that piece of property that I have. If you um, if you make people understand that the whole community will be richer once you get a, more taxpayers from that guy who built that bigger restaurant, and that he'll be contributing to the welfare of the of the unit over time. It's a balance, and and we absolutely need more people to come out and support in these hearings. We always have the people that are coming out to show their their dissatisfaction in some of these projects, but we need people to come out to say, I do want this in my backyard. I know this is good for the economy, and I support this. You know, I, I went down to town hall a while back, and I complained about the uh, uh, fact that the you know, town was dragging their feet in dealing with the Lilco uh, settlement. I said, they're going to go to court. They're going to make a case that this thing is really overtaxed, really overtaxed. And they're going to get a settlement. And you're going to get, and, and the people are going to pay. I think they're giving you an opportunity. They're taking half of the taxes off over 10 years, giving us an opportunity to incrementally increase the cost to the consumer, to the, uh, the citizen. But if you do it, by losing a case, you just have to go out and bond a hundred million dollars or whatever it is, and that ain't going to be cheap. What is the future for clean energy? Clean energy is very hopeful. One of the things I do every day is I get a bulletin on what uh, is happening in clean energy. Um, uh, uh, Bob Cattell is a uh, is head of that uh, unit out there that they got tons of great ideas. Most of them will not ever come to fruition. Not because they're bad ideas, but the, the initial cost may be too high. Okay. For example, uh, taking the energy of uh, ocean currents. I always say that I, I really thought that can be a, a great way to get the energy from the ocean currents. Not only just to get that energy, but to clean them up too. Put big nets out there that obviously don't affect the fish. Help clean up the ocean and take the waves and produce energy. Well, I was up in uh, uh, Nova Scotia, and uh, they have an island up there that's uh, uh, 100. Now it's 100 percent 
uh, uh, powered by an ocean uh, wave uh, device. It's incredible. And we, we need more forward thinking like that on Long Island. Yeah. Natural gas was the answer, and right now still is the answer. And until we have another reliable source of energy, we need it. However, Devin, here's my problem with natural gas. They need this humongous uh, investment in uh, a pipeline to keep it uh, viable. Yep. So what, what they're going to do is they're going to make that thing last as long as they can. That puts back green energy until they, uh, that, that, that wears out. Now, when you build something in the utility business, you build something that lasts a long, long time. That Northport plant is operating at uh, about 16% of capacity because Caithness is running at 100% of capacity. And Caithness is running at 100% of capacity because they figured out how to make more electricity with less uh, natural gas. So what, it, what, what, it was, what the point is, we still have it online. We still, we're still paying, uh, they're still paying taxes on it. And because they're paying taxes on it, you go, it goes into your bill. By the way, one of the things I said many years ago is that utility companies are like the bag lady. The bag lady collects the money because the politicians don't have the chutzpah to go out and say, you know, Devin, you got to pay more money for our taxes because we're going to do something. No, we're going to do something, but we're going to make the utility pay so when it, they, when they get the bill, they say, okay, no problem. We'll put it on Devin's bill. I, I don't disagree with you that, like we said, you need a return on your investment. It's, they're putting a massive amount of money into this pipeline that they're trying to install. But it'll last forever. It, it will, but how do, how do we get the politicians to, we need politicians to see that five, ten year, years from now and plan now for what's next. We can't just accept the fact that, okay, this, this gas pipeline is going in. It is necessary because development will stop. Economic um, development will stop. Well, in 1992, I, did a, uh, I, I, I didn't do a study of my own. I took other people's studies. And I figured out that there'd be a, an increase in the use of electricity over time that would be really a lot. What didn't happen? What happened is people in the park who had heavy machinery that were using for industry, they bought new machinery that used a third of the, in, in the, the power. They bought lights that used a tenth of the power. And what happened is this, it's not like we're using less uh, uses of electricity. We got more uses of electricity, but we have a, a declining uh, cost of that electricity because we, we we don't need to produce as much of it to do the same thing. Well, once we commit ourselves to a, a, an avenue of success, then we will find that we'll find the way. You know. One of the things that people may not be too familiar with, and because it's such a, it's ancient history now, is that Germany was cut off from oil supplies by our forces. They didn't stop the tanks. They created a new way to make fuel. I don't know what they used. I think they used coal, and they uh, made a, a liquid fuel out of it. But whatever they did, 
it was very costly, but it was worked. So, so obviously, the politics behind it. People need to get on the same page. I feel like on the on the federal level, obviously, we we're so divided on so many standpoints. I think on the local level, it's it's a lot better where people do work together to get things done. How do we how do we choose a route? Um, make the decision and then get both sides working on it together on the local level and on the state level Ooh. and then get some, some grants out of the federal government as well. What's, what's important about what you just said is that on a local level, we are very much more able to do this than on a federal level or even on a state level. I, the federal government is totally non-functional. I mean, it has been, it has been deteriorating over time. It's worse now than ever. Okay. When we went to, when my predecessors, I mean, I wasn't in the group, when they went to, to Washington, they went out, they filtered into all these different offices and they talked to this senator and this congressman, this person, this and that. People, all the people who had something to say about national parks. And they got it done. You know what you do? You know what you would, that, that contingent would do today? They would spend a lot of money on hotels and transportation, and they get nothing done. They just signed a bill to give the national parks $3 billion a year two weeks ago. I was in Glacier National Park when Lovely. it happened. So I'm, I'm glad that's happening, and I'm a big fan of, of, of nature. And I went through all of the parks in the West last year. Okay. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um, we talked a little prior to, to getting on camera about um, the maglev. The maglev. Yeah, the maglev is a very interesting uh, project. If you, it, the concept is very simple, actually. When you uh, were a child, you had toys that were, were magnetic. If you put them in a, together in a certain way, they'd uh, repulse. Put them in another way, they'd attract, uh, depending on the polarity of the pieces that you had. The maglev works on that principle. In other words, the, 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 uh, the guideway is one polarity and the other one is uh, a similar polarity. And it lies on top of it. Well, that's a very simplified idea, because there's another factor: is if you did that, wouldn't, why wouldn't it just plop off? Why wouldn't it, uh, the centrifugal force, when it made a turn, just throw it off? Those countervailing uh, fields that pull it back. So these two fields are operating in uh, in, in contention with each other. So they have a balance point, and they stay right where they are. And it's amazing. We try, we tested it in Florida uh, with 125 mile an hour. There's a fair, that's as high a wind we could get uh, to see if we can blow it off the uh, guideway. We couldn't go, but blow it off. We're putting in the third track on Long Island. Wouldn't this be the the right time to consider implementing this this? Well, the, the interesting thing is that the 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 scientists uh, that are they're both dead now. The last one died uh, last year. Dead. What they uh, considered was this: infrastructure that's in place is not going to be replaced because we don't have the real estate to build it elsewhere. And if we did have the real estate, it would still be a lot more expensive. Okay. So what they did is they figured out how to, let's say, this book and this book are the uh, the outside of the, and the rails are here. You put the, the magnetic uh, pads out here, and it rides on those. 
So now you can have um, the, the conventional rail run while you're building this. So we, we know we can um, integrate it into the tracks. One of the things, I, and I'll, I'll send you this one uh, I can. Uh, I went to uh, Ed Romain. Ed Romain is a very forward-looking. Uh, Absolutely. He's, he's one of the best. Great guy. And uh, he's and I says, help me work with all of the uh, supervisors from here to Greenport, and let's see if we can get them all to agree to support um, maglev transmission of, you know, from, from Ronkonkoma all the way out to Greenport. And it would be cheap, relatively cheap, because you can do it with one car. I don't know if, we, if you know anything about that line, but it runs three or four trains a day. Has no passengers. It has an engineer. It has a diesel locomotive. It has cars. It's a, it's a waste of money. It costs a lot to run. It costs a lot of money. And if we put in a maglev, we could run one car. We can run it at 100, uh, average speed, 160 miles an hour. Uh, sometimes getting up as high as 300 miles an hour, but because you have to make stops, where we have to make five stops, well, you have to have an end point and a start, and a start point, and you have three in between, so that's five uh, places where it's at a complete standstill. But even doing that, you can still average about 160 miles an hour. That means you can do back and forth every 40 minutes. What would that do? Wouldn't that give you customers? Right now, I think they have 22 customers a day, or something that like Then if people had to go from, say, Riverhead to... Much quicker, you'd hop on and yeah. hop on the train all the time to get there. Yeah, and you can do some work on the train while you're at it. Pull out your laptop. Well, you wouldn't have much time. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you'd get to Ronkonkoma or wherever you're going, and <clears throat> chances are you would, uh, you know, you might have a bus or something to get into the park. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ernie, I don't know if you've ever thought of running uh, in politics, but I'd certainly vote for you. You are a forward thinker. Uh, I appreciate you coming on today. Let me tell you something. Politics is hard it's work. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's hard work. You're man. never going to make everyone happy. I, I, I once uh, considered running for Congress in uh, the 3rd District, which is now Swazi. And <clears throat> I wound up supporting Swazi. But uh, the thing is, you work from dawn until unconscious. And at my age, I ain't doing it. It's it's nonstop. It's yeah. nonstop, and no matter where you turn, you're gonna have people that aren't happy with something you've done, something you've said. It's it's a tough one. But that's not the worst part. The worst part is the amount of time you have to spend, and that's, you know, I I've been criticized all my life over a number of things, you know, and you. I'm personally okay with the time that goes into to work and understand. You know, it's it's twenty four seven. But you're whole, young. I am young. The whole, even when I'm doing the right thing, still people aren't happy with it. That's it's tough. It's yeah. tough to to take that. It's in a little day. disheartening. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for coming in. I appreciate it. Anytime. We'll, we'll we'll have you again for sure. Okay. 